Okay. All right. Get out your Bibles. Take it out with me to Matthew chapter 15. Prepare our hearts for the Word today. I'm very excited about this message. We'll be doing part one this morning and part two tonight. This morning, uh, we're calling this message Truth or Tradition. Truth or Tradition. Part of our Words in Red series we're going through. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, uh, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, we prepare our hearts to receive your word today. Father, I pray just right off the bat, God, that I would not speak anything you do not want me to speak. God, that you'd just give me the unction of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would open our ears to hear what you alone are saying and what your word. I pray that it comes alive into our hearts. God, that we can just look inside of ourselves and say, God, is there anything Anything in me, God, that is religious, that is not supposed to be there, God, I want the real, authentic faith. I want a real encounter with the Holy Spirit that moves me, that draws me, that speaks to me, that motivates me, God, that gets me through my week. And Father, I don't want any of this man-made stuff. God, I want to be filled up to the fullness of God. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to be talking about breaking this chain. I'm going to kind of give you a, <clears throat> a clause, a disclaimer. That this morning we're going to be talking about breaking off chains of religion. That's what we've been talking about a lot. But then tonight we're going to talk about how to walk in our freedom. Uh, how do we walk in that freedom? And so uh, I'm going to uh, let you know, don't, if you come this morning, make sure you're here tonight to make sure this all connects together. Because that's what Jesus is about to do here in Matthew 15. He's going to speak to the crowd, but then he's going to pull his disciples to the side and really explain it to them. And we're going to kind of talk about that tonight. But what determines if someone or something is holy? What determines if someone or something is holy? Today, we can think about it through a false view of holiness. Uh, Some churchgoers feel they're saved and can continue to do anything they want to do. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Others feel like they're never good enough. Use all sorts of church traditions to earn and maintain some sort of holy standard. Yet all the while, they find themselves failing to really live up to it on the inside. They're still struggling with these repeated sin issues. So why is that? If I go to church all the time, if I pay my tithes, if I do all the things I'm supposed to do, why do I still feel depressed? Why do I still feel angry? Why do I still have these uh, lust issues? Why do I still have this tongue problem? So this is what we're talking. What does it really mean? to be holy. In whatever category we find ourselves, we can unknowingly begin to worship the worship service rather than God Himself. We can mistakenly hold to religious beliefs that aren't biblical and determine our holiness by man-made rules. And then we can wonder, why are we really never free? That's what we're going to talk about today. The truth of God declares this, that God looks at the heart, not at the format of our worship, not the format of our tradition, and it's the Holy Spirit alone that changes me. It's the Holy Spirit alone that makes me holy, and it's all about the heart. So Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, do we have hollowness or holiness, tradition or truth, religion or relationship? We're going to be talking about those three categories today. Matthew 15, verse 1, then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Now note that, the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your own tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, 
And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you, the religious, he says, you say to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or mother. And by this, you've invalidated the very word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah the prophesy of you. And he quotes, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And now we get into verse 10. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said, Hear and understand, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. Look at verse 17. Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from your heart, and those are the things that defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands, this does not defile the man. What if you went to a five-star restaurant, and now there's not a whole lot of those in Gina, right? You know, mom pause comes pretty close. But you have a, you, what if you go to a nice restaurant? You're going to pay $100 for a plate, which that is ridiculous to do, by the way. But if you did, and then you got your cup, and then you noticed that the outside was clean, but the inside had spots on it. Anybody been to a restaurant when you're like, you, waiter, you send this back, right? And nobody wants to eat that. That's nasty. That's the kind of thing about that. What if you always washed the outside of your vehicle and never vacuumed the inside? Now, some of you might do that right? But what happens? Let's say you never did it over 10 years. You clean the outside regularly, but the inside you never touched. It'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? You'd get in that person's car, you'd be like, wow, they got a nice car. You get in, you're like, oh, I don't want to sit there. You know, like, that's kind of what it'd be like. Or you think about it, uh, what if you only cared for the outside of your house? You mowed your yard, you trimmed your hedges, you got the nice stone pavers, you know, nice and pretty, put the flowers out, but on the inside you never vacuumed, you never cleaned the toilets, you never cleaned the shower, it would be pretty bad, and those of you who have kids know, it would be pretty bad really quick. This is the same thing that religion does. It's exactly the same way. All that pretty outside, but on the inside, Jesus says, you're just the same as you were before. I don't care how much you clean the outside of your house, you've got to clean the inside. I don't care how much you wash your car, you really should vacuum it every now and then. I don't care how much that restaurant cleans the outside of that cup. I want the inside clean too, right? Because that's really, to me, all that really matters. Now, I want it all clean, but, you know, that's where it's going. You notice, I was thinking about this. I, was, I actually washed the dishes the other day. For those of you who know in my background, I hate washing dishes. Uh, <clears throat> you, you never notice I take a cereal bowl. What do you do? You hold it in your hand. You clean the inside first, don't you? You ever notice that? You do. Then you clean the outside. Now, some of y'all might be weird, but that's what you should do, right? <laughs> you, you clean the inside first. Those people who clean the inside, if you ever notice, if the inside of their car is clean, the outside's normally clean. You ever notice that? If the inside of someone's house is clean, then normally their outside is clean as well. And that's the principle Jesus is stating here. Let me give you the background, because this parallels, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark 7, you don't have to, but there's a parallel of this chapter, Mark records this in Mark 7, and Matthew records it in Matthew 15. Let me give you the background here. The Pharisees were saying, hey, there's a ritual your disciples are not doing, and that what they would do is there was a ceremonial rule, it was called the fence of the law, and I'll explain this real quick. They would, before and after every meal, wash their hands. 
Now, they wouldn't just wash their hands. They would wash their cups, their bowls. They would even wash their tables. Why? God had to- they felt that God had told them that they were so special and so holy that if anything came even around somebody unclean, you need to be purified. And so they would take this tradition that Moses passed. He said, you need to be clean. Be ye separate. Be holy. There was like a few verses for being ceremonially washing your hands. But they would take their hands, dip them in water, let it run down their elbows, kind of like a doctor. And they would wash their hands. And they noticed the disciples aren't doing this. And they said, these are some oral traditions. And so they began to add all these things. None of this stuff is in the Bible. It didn't say how to do it. it there was like a certain way. If you did not put them in the water and let it run a certain way... You weren't clean. And if you didn't wash your cups and plates a certain way, even if they were already clean, if you didn't wash them again, if you went to Walmart and went to the grocery aisle, you might have bumped into somebody who's not holy. And so you need to go home and wash off real good before you eat and then after you eat. And this is what they were doing. And Jesus is noticing none of this is in Scripture. This is a tradition of the elders. It's called the fence of the law or hedge around the law. And what happened is during this time period, a lot of things bad began to happen in the country of Israel. The people began falling away from God. Pagan immorality began to come in. And over the years, they began to say, how can we keep people doing it right? God's Word says we need to wash ourselves, be clean. So let's add to all these things. We're not saying that it, it's not the, it is the Word of God, but we need to make sure that we make sure that we make sure we stay holy. So they begin to add all these traditions of the elders, and it came about, and it's called the oral law. Everybody say, oral law. Okay, this is something you'll see in the Bible sometimes, so you want to know what this is. It's the fence of the law, the oral traditions passed down by the Pharisees, and it grew to become more authoritative than even the Bible itself at this time. This is what Jesus is breaking down. And so it says, and I, I thought about this, like, well, that's kind of silly, well, we wouldn't dare add to the Bible today, would we? I mean, come on, we, we know. Not one dot or tissel. Even Revelation says there's going to be a curse if somebody adds to this book. I got to thinking about it. I was like, well, let's think about this for a second. Before we begin to pass judgment on these religious people, I believe the Lord would want us to kind of examine ourselves and say, do we say things like this? How can we explain God's law so well that no one will break it? I grew up. For those of you who, who don't know, I grew up in an Assemblies of God home all my life. Went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Played Hot Wheels on the, on the pew. You know, uh, I, I know all of that. We listened to only Southern Gospel when I grew up. There was no such thing as music. Even Carmen was liberal, all right? So those of you who know how I grew up, uh, we, I was a big deal for me to go to the roller rink, okay? Been there. We were not United Pentecostal or Apostolic, but we, it was a, I, I was like, my parents never went to the roller rink, but for my birthday, I remember, we went to the roller rink, and my mom said, just don't tell the pastor, okay? You know, just one of those things. We're that liberal group, you know? And we went to a Carmen concert, and it was a big deal. And so I know all that, but I was beginning to think, you know, one of the things that we do, and it's not a bad one, and I'm going to explain this a little bit more, because the Bible says that getting drunk is unholy, right? It says that in the New Testament, in the New Testament. But what do we do? And I believe in abstinence. I believe that I don't drink, and I've made a covenant to God not to drink. And so I've put a fence in my life around the law of God. The Bible doesn't say don't drink. It says don't get drunk, right? It says don't get drunk with wine, but get drunk on the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And so we put fences around the law all the time, it was, whether it's the roller rink, because, hey, if you go there, you might fall into the devil, 
okay? If it's the movies, if it's R-rated movies or what. We have fences, right? I remember you, when I was young, you, a man, you could not have your hair touch the collar, right? That was a rule. Uh, there was all kinds of things that when I was growing up, I had to wear a suit and tie to church. Right now, that would be unholy. I need to put my tie back on. All right? Uh, all of these things, we begin to put fences unknowingly, just like these religious people. And what happens here is Jesus is not saying these things are bad, but he's beginning to awaken us that even if, are we hollow or are we holy? Are we hollow, hollowness versus holiness? And Jesus tells these guys, you're hypocrites because you're washing the outside. You're putting all these fences and boundaries up in your life. And he's not saying they're bad. He's saying they're hollow. And let's look at this today. Hollowness or holiness. What really makes a person holy, clean, and separated for the purpose of God? Because holiness is to be separated for the purpose of God. What happens is Jesus and the religious have two different views of sin and holiness. They immediately, the religious thought that Jesus was lowering their traditions. And some of y'all might be thinking, this pastor is about to tell people to start drinking. No. All right? I'm not trying to lower a holy standard. Jesus was not trying to, he's actually increasing it. Because which is harder here? Tell me, which is harder, not to commit adultery or not to lust? Not to take pills or not to be depressed? Which is harder? Which is harder, not to do something or not to feel something? Not to be violent and punch that coworker who mouths off to you in the face or not to even feel like you want to mouth back off to them? Which is harder? Put the boundaries up. It's right here. right, And that's what Jesus is taking everything back to. Matthew or Mark chapter 7, verse 23, he says, All evil things proceed from within and defile the man. He's not saying, don't wash your hands before you eat. Kids, youth, please wash your hands before you eat. That, Jesus is not saying that. But he's saying that easily, if religion gets in the picture, we can have the wrong idea about sin and holiness. And the Pharisees thought they were holy because they went above and beyond the law to not be externally unholy, to not be externally defiled. They avoided unclean things. They put all kinds of fences and boundaries in their life. But Jesus says it does not matter because at the end of the day, a person breaks God's law in his heart. In his heart. And that's where we all come to today. Look, Jeremiah chapter 17, if you've got your Bibles, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand the heart? I, the Lord, though, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Jesus does not say we should drink, do drugs, or eat tons of fatty food. But he does say this, Unclean food may touch your stomachs, but what touches your hearts? He actually puts it in a very almost crude way. He says, food goes in then comes out the other end, but sin stays with you. Think of it that way. There's things I can do in this life, and maybe there's freedom, but what really is sticking with me? Right? Because these are so concerned about what I don't do and I do, or what I eat and I don't eat, what I do say and I don't say, what I, where do, whether I go to the roller rink or go to the movie theater or whether I watch this type of movie. or what. Let's, put all, let's go back and trace it back to the root because you can go in and out of that movie theater, but what is in your heart when you come out of it? That's where he comes out to. You know, according to the Bible, you could really drink every day of the week, but why are you doing it? 
What motivates you? What craving, what thing is it inside of you that says, I need this more than I need God? Or, or, or I, I, put, I can put boundaries up in my life and say, I'm not looking at that computer, or I'm not going to be around that lady at the work, or I'm going to not look at this or watch those TVs. But at the end of the day, if I'm still lusting after other women, I've still got a problem. It's my heart. He says it's desperately sick, and every person in the world has to understand, I have a sick heart. Jesus says that He came to heal our disease, that disease of sin that has corrupted my heart. And no amount of boundaries or religion or law, or I don't care how long you let your hair grow, or if you watch or don't watch TV, or if you do or do not go to the roller rink, we are all desperately sick. And Jesus is about to tell us, how, do he, how does He make us well? How does Jesus make us well? Which is harder? One author says this, he says, The heart of man is so tragically warped by the fall that sin darkened human understanding, twisted our human motives, crippled our human will, and it even distorted our human emotions. That's how corrupting sin is. It's a disease. It's a cancer. And how can I fix cancer? By, by, if I know that I have cancer, does it matter whether or not I go anywhere or do anything? I could take all the Flintstone vitamins I want. I could stop eating fatty foods. I could, like, once you get, you get those cells corrupting inside of you, it doesn't matter after that. You've already got cancer, right? So we need a cure, and Jesus is offering that, and he says, do you have tradition or truth? Holy living is from within, not from without. Holy living is right here. Some liberals today, you think, you go to the, you see the media, you see the world today, they think if we can think harder, if we can go to the world, these other places where there's war, if we can just talk about peace, if we can just educate them more, if we can just, you know, let's talk about these people who, who are murdering other people and persecuting other people, and let's go to the, the violence in the streets, and let's go to the ghettos, and let's go to the Muslims, and let's go all these, if we can just talk to them, if we can just educate them, if we can just come into a common understanding, we are sick. The human race is diseased, and there's only one cure. I don't care how much we educate, how many rules we put in place, how many boundaries we set up. If we don't get to the root of our sin issue, there's no solution, right? Amen? And so, before we get too critical, sometimes it's easy in religion and churchiness to say, let's preach harder rules, let's enforce stricter standards on our kids, let's isolate our children from the world, let's be ye separate. Remember that verse? Jesus knows man's a sinner. You and I cannot control our sin issue. We can't control our sin issue. And sometimes we try. It's very easy to do, even, as, even those of us who've been in church years. Sometimes we're the hardest headed. We cannot control our sin issue by putting rules in our life. It comes right here. Right here. This is where we get into the place where some men, women, men, we've been in church for 30, 40 years, and we still have that lust issue. You still have that temptation for that computer or that phone or whatever. Ladies, we still feel like we're not living good enough to her. We're looking to her for affirmation or we're looking to that person. I wish I was good as her or I keep comparing myself. All those things, it's all right here. It's all right. I don't care how much you go to church. It's all right here. And so Jesus is going to break us from tradition or truth. And so though we don't have ritual washings today, we do have legalism we have to be aware of. And tradition can easily become the default way for us to serve God. It's so easy to get into a routine of thinking that church is going to keep me saved. Or even like getting into a routine of prayer and Bible study. Those things are good. 
We should do those things. Like brushing your teeth is a good tradition to have. Right? It's good. Not all tradition is bad. Have some tradition in your life. Brush your teeth every day, please. You know, but those things, tradition cannot become the way we serve God. What are the rules of going to church in our community? I was trying to think about this. Just because, I, you know, I grew up in church, so I sometimes don't see things, you know, because an outsider's perspective is good to have sometimes. And you kind of get in that loop of like, this is the way I've always done church. It's kind of odd, you know, that things are happening a little different. And I remember uh, growing up, uh, you know, grew up in southeast Arkansas, northern Louisiana, and there was a way we did church. And then we went to another church, and it was weird. Like, they were a contemporary, and they didn't have the birthday song. Because when I grew up, we sang birthday every week to people who had a birthday. And we had a, our Sunday school kids, and before we ever started worship, they'd come up, and they'd go to the front, and they would sing Father Abraham, and List the Light of Mine, and then they'd go back to kids' church. You go to another church, it's not like that. There's a lot of traditions that we can all have, and probably you've been to multiple churches and know different ways that we can have church. But let's think, let's kind of, let's push the envelope here for a second. Holy traditions, are these in the Bible? I'm just going to list some of the ones that are in my life of holy traditions. Can I be honest? Okay. The time and order of our worship. Okay, that's a Sunday school. Is that in the Bible? Sunday night and Wednesday night service. Is that in the Bible? Bulletins, pews versus chairs, right? Some of us like pews because we can just kind of like this, you know. But pews, hymns or contemporary music. We want to go real, let's go Jewish. Let's start singing Hebrew. All right, all right, King James, man, growing up, it was King James only. My mom still is King James only, you know, so is it King James? What about monthly communion in that little cup, right? Is that in the Bible? Or what about the raising of hands at the end of service to be saved? Or altar music, or scheduled yearly revivals, or scheduled outreaches, or a church dress code. Like I said, I used to have to wear a certain thing. My grandpa told me, he said, if I ever got an earring, he'd pull it out with a pair of pliers. (laughs) He would, and I believed him, so I never get one. You know, tattoos were uh, a taboo in my family. You know, we didn't do that. And so what kind of dress code do we believe in? All right. You know, uh, hats in the South. It's very rude to wear a hat in a building. We know this, right? Those are cowboys in the place. Right. We take off our hats. If you go to Israel, you're not holy unless you have a hat on. Right? So we'd all be unholy today. All right, what about door greeters, church ushers, 30-minute sermons, board members aren't in the Bible, VBS, kids' church isn't even in the Bible. What about don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew? You can't even find scriptures for those. So there are traditions that we all have and boundaries we put in place, and Jesus is not saying they're bad, but he's saying they can be hollow if we're not careful. They can just be traditions that we think are keeping us Say, Let's go further. What about the discrepancies of watching R-rated movies at home but we wouldn't dare show it on this screen. But who's the church? I'm the church. Okay, ooh, here you go. I told you, I was pushing the button. What about some, we might feel convicted about celebrating Halloween at the church, but then we'll celebrate Halloween at home. Who's the church? Where's your convictions? Is there discrepancies in your religion, right? Okay, come on. And what are we, things we would say in front of coworkers, but we wouldn't dare say in the fellowship hall? Or what's worse is wearing our Sunday best only to go home saying our Sunday worst. Discrepancies is religion. Religion is not consistent because it's right here. I can talk my Sunday's best. I can wear my Sunday's best. But if I still go home lusting the same, hating the same, gossiping the same, it's just religion. It's just religion. And so I've got to be holy in the heart. Holy 
in the heart. Jesus does not say that traditions are bad. He doesn't say Sunday school is bad because it's not in the Bible. He doesn't say that, that bulletins or church ushers or greeters of the board or all these things. He's not saying that hymns or contemporary music because they're not in the Bible are bad. He's just saying that Sarah, these, he uses ceremonial washings and he says, man, that's good for hygiene. But it was really given to remind Israel that you are God's people and you are to be set apart in your heart. See, God gives these illustrations. If I put up boundaries in my life, it should be an illustration of where my heart is. Because if I don't do it for the right reasons and with the heart and the mind, it's just an empty ritual that we can come prideful in tradition instead of humble in holiness. Am I prideful in tradition or am I humble in holiness? You ever seen a prideful, holy person? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Holiness doesn't make you prideful. It makes you humble. Holiness does not make you prideful. It makes you humble. Religion doesn't work. Look in your Bibles with me this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. This is a good one to have for those of us who keep going to church. We find ourselves in that loop. Colossians 2, 20. I'm reading from the New Living. Paul says this. He says, You've died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Think of that. You have died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Now He says this, So why, why on earth do you keep following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Now He's talking to Jews, keeping all these boundaries, these oral traditions, these extra things that are not in the Bible, right? And he says, why do you keep doing these things? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as you use them. These rules may seem wise, but they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. I can put all the boundaries, I can stop drinking, I can stop smoking, I can stop chewing, I can cut my hair, I can wear a better shirt, I can stop watching those movies, I can throw the computer out, I can do all those things. I can be the most self-denying, self-crucifying person there is. I can even put duct tape over my mouth so I won't cuss. You know, I can do all those things, but it doesn't help my desires change. And see, we go to church all the time, but if you come to the altar, you raise your hand, Jesus come into my life, and you go out the same, you didn't meet Jesus. He says that there's a, something that God wants to do inside of us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that actually will change the way you think. It'll actually change the way you feel. I've shared my testimony that I was one of the most arrogant, self-centered, negative, sarcastic, bitter people you'd ever meet. But as I began to spend time in the presence of God, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I felt the tangible presence of God come in my life. And then from there, I began seeking God each day, praying 30 minutes to an hour a day, fasting, praying, reading my word. And the Holy Spirit began to do something in my heart. And I woke up one day completely different. I can't do that. I no rules did I put in my life to do that. It is the presence of God that can change us alone. It's the presence of God that can change us. So what does God want? Psalms 51 says God doesn't delight in sacrifice or, or offerings, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. He wants a broken heart so He can fill it. Broken heart so He can fill it. 
The Bible tells us in Ezekiel 36 that God's will for us in the New Testament was that He wants to put His Spirit within us, cause us to obey Him and careful to observe Him. He wanted to put the Holy Spirit inside of us. In Titus 3, chapter 5, says this, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we can do or have done in righteousness. It's not about the deeds of righteousness. It's not about the holy works. It's not about the boundaries or the things that I stop doing. Those are good things. It's good to stop doing those things, but those things, it's like don't get the horse before the buggy. Here, the, the buggy before the horse here. You've got to do it right in the right order. He doesn't save you on the basis of deeds, but according to His mercy by this. Catch this. You have to understand the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. And He says that He's poured out upon us richly so that being justified, we would get, become heirs of according to the hope of eternal life. This is key because... When I get baptized, I know this is a baptism is a good illustration. If I come over here and I get baptized, this is a physical outward illustration of something inner. We talk about this all the time. But it says that I have to die. And when I go under the water, the Holy Spirit is not washing my outer body. I symbolically, it's a symbol of something that on the outside, that needs to happen on the inside, that my heart has to die. We have to get, our heart has to be buried and die. In Christ, and the Holy Spirit, water comes in and it renews me and it washes me. Instead of washing my hands, Jesus is saying, we need to wash our hearts. Instead of separating ourselves from the world, how about we get changed so that we can change the world? Then we'll be separate, truly, because we'll be peculiar and different. And so, instead of hiding myself in a monastery or pulling all these things back, what if I had the new nature to, not go, out, to go out and not be affected by the things of the world like I once was? Now, there's these things that we want to put in place. There are boundaries that I want to put in place in my life so I don't lead myself into temptation uh, un, un, for no reason. I, I don't, there are things that tell me, I, I'm tr- telling you, I do put in my life. There are traditions that I keep in my life, but those are things that happen because of an inner change first i have to be washed right here the purification of the heart is what god wants for communion with him church traditions cannot take the role of the holy spirit and you can't control sin except by the holy spirit you can do all these things that'll guilt you into being a good christian i can put all these rules up and say if you would read your bible if you would pray if you would Go, not go to the bars, if you would stop smoking, if you would stop chewing and stop cussing, if you would just kind of dress a little bit better, you know, take the, the earrings out of your nose and, you know, don't get any more tattoos and, and all these things. If I begin to tell you, and you would look a good, you'd look like a good Southern Baptist brother, right? You'd look the part. But are you really right here? Is this what really matters right here? And so is it religion or relationship? I'm going on real quick. How do you know where your heart is today? How do you know where your heart is today? Is it religious or is it in a relationship with the God of the universe? Ceremonial law elevated these men. And I wonder today, do we elevate the ceremony of church? If I put you on a desert island today and I took church away and I took Sunday school away and I took you know our scheduled times that we have and we meet, would you still be as righteous as you are now? Are you more righteous than your church tradition? Are you, if, 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 it, if the church completely changed and looked a little different and this happened or that happened, or if you started wearing different types of clothes or, or you went to another culture, 
can you still be holy? Because is it religion or is it relationship? Let, well, let me break down another thing that Jesus says. And he says this about the, look at Matthew 15. He talks about they broke honor thy father, the, the Ten Commandments. And so what they would do is there was this little loophole in religion, okay? And so these Pharisees said, okay, you, the Bible says honor your father and your mother. And one of that means to help them. They didn't have uh, Social Security back then. So we want to help our parents for retirement, all right? And so one of these things that religious people would do is they would say, Corbin, it's a phrase that means a gift to God. And so I'm supposed to help my parents' estate. Maybe I'm not very close to them or whatever. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I'm pronouncing my money as a gift to God. And these religious Pharisees would do this, say, my money's a gift to God, so mom and dad, it's dedicated to God. I'm sorry, I can't help you. And Jesus got so mad. He says, how dare you form a religious tradition that breaks honor your father and mother? You are a hypocrite. Because in trying to fulfill the law, you're leading people away from the heart of the law. Right? Honor your father and mother. It doesn't specifically say support your parents in retirement. But they would find a way, and what they would do is, it's no gift to God if you're putting your parents out on the street. Amen? Now, that sounds silly to us, but I think sometimes we can do this in religion. We can come in and say, Lord, I want to worship you clean and holy. And then that person comes in who's a little different, and we start to look at them a little weird. Right? Hey, the same thing. We can, break, we can say, hey, you need to get cleaned up a little bit. Or you need to try to change the way you look or dress. Instead of letting God do it from the inside, and then the outside follows. And we're not judging, ever. Because God alone is the judge. And they are His child and His servant. And who am I? I'm going to worry about me. Amen? And so, tradition or, hollow, uh, tradition or truth, hollowness or holiness, religion or relationship. And there are two things we judge ourselves by. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. What does God require of us? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Israel, he says, what does the Lord require of you? Fear the Lord your God. Walk in His ways. Love Him. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Love God. Then love of, I love Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He's told you, O oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you? One of my favorite verses. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Love God, love others. Am I doing justice? Am I walking humbly? Humble is holy. Holiness is humility because the more I get to God, the more close I get to God, the more I see that I could never earn anything that He has for me, the more I see the discrepancy between my heart and His presence of holiness, and I get a, an amazement and I get overwhelmed and excited when I say, oh my gosh, your Holy Spirit can inhabit my heart? Amazing. Amazing. How does that work? It's a miracle. It's a mystery that He can come in and change my nature, change my personality. And that's where we need to be, church. We need to be saying, God, do I love you more? God, am I loving people more? Father, is it religion? But I don't, I don't want any religion. I just want to have a relationship that even if I never went to church again, I'll come to church every week because that's a biblical principle. Don't forsake the gathering. But if somebody put me on a desert island, I could still grow in relationship with my God. Because it's not a religion, it's a relationship that I have with Him. And when I get saved, it's not something that I begin now trying to do myself. Because what we happen is I begin to do it from here. I begin to say, okay, God, I made a, a proclamation to you to give you my life. Now, how can I think better? 
Let me make work on my mind. How can I speak better? Let me work on my lip. God, how can I attend better? Let me work on my priorities. God, how can I stop looking at other things of this world? Let me set those boundaries. And those are all good things. But you can't do it on your own. That's why so many people, they'll come in, they'll get saved, they'll go back to alcohol and drugs. They'll come in, they'll get saved, they'll fall away from their wives and their kids. They'll come in, they'll get saved, they'll talk just like they did for the next 10 years. It's because it's a changing and washing of the presence of God inside of me. And so as I come to God in salvation, my next step is to walk out this place not by myself again. I come in by myself. The Lord is leading me and drawing me. I come down. I make a commitment to God. Then I leave and He stays with me. He comes into my heart and He washes me. So my challenge today, do you have a washing of the heart? Do you have a washing of the heart? And I want you to look at these, these uh, columns here. We have man's tradition. If you have your pen, you might want to take this down before we close. What is the difference between tradition and truth today? I found this a commentary Uh, put it up for me. Man's tradition, number one, how do I know if I'm walking in tradition? Because it's only outward, and it leaves me in bondage. But if it's God's truth, it's inward. It's faith. It gives me freedom. God's truth gives me freedom. It doesn't burn me down. It doesn't make me feel like I'm not good. It changes me to live in freedom, and now I don't need all those boundaries in my life because I do it on my own. The Holy Spirit guides me and tells me what to do and not to do. Number two, is it just a list of rules or is it fundamental principles to live by? So many Christians want to nitpick and say, here's what you do and don't do. But it's fundamental principles. It's the heart of the Word of God to love God more, to love people more. Is it outward righteousness or outward religiousness or is it inward holiness? Is it something that neglects the Word of God or does it exalt the Word of God in my life? Is it truth or tradition? I'm going to ask uh, Miss T to come back for us. Is it truth or or tradition, truth or tradition, holiness, I want you to remember this, holiness is about having the Holy Spirit in your heart, holiness is about having the Holy Spirit in your heart, and no, there's boundaries to put in, but let God begin to wash you by His presence, we can't do anything apart from the presence of God, nothing apart from the presence of God, Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you this morning. What pollutes our hearts today? It's good to wash our hands. It's good to have those traditions in our life that keep us on track. But let the Holy Spirit wash your hearts. And your life will be pure. I ask you today, does your righteousness exceed your church traditions? Have you substituted any man-made rules for relationship with God? Do you serve God out of guilt or mental logic or by His Spirit? Tradition or truth today? Do you have an authentic, life-changing relationship with God? What's coming out of your heart today? Jesus, Father God, we just come before you today and I pray you, Holy Spirit, would examine us. Search us and know us, O God. Reveal any wicked way in us, God. Father, some of us have been in church many years. No doubt that we've formulated traditions without even knowing it. These Pharisees had no clue they were being religious. They thought they were doing a great thing by setting these things up in their life. But Father, if that's all we rely on, it becomes easily holy. 
We forget the relationship aspect, God, and we wonder, Lord, if all these boundaries were stripped away, would I still be able to function? Would I still be able to serve you? Would I I still be holy? What do I rely on today? Is it my religion or is it my relationship? Do I commune with you every day? Are you the first thing I, that when I get up in the morning, is that what I want to talk about? Lord, I do I want to hear your voice? Is there something there that, Lord, that you're speaking throughout the week? God, can I see actively that you're changing me from the inside out? Perhaps you're here today just first off the bat and you say, Pastor Heath, I don't have a relationship like I should with God. If I died today, I'm not quite sure where I would stand in eternity. I really want to know that I have peace with God. I want to rededicate my life, or maybe you want to be saved for the first time, and to know that Jesus Christ has washed you, can wash you, that He can cancel all the sin of your life. He can make it as if it never happened. And you can be in right relationship with God today. You say, Father, that's what I want to do. Lord, I want to do that today. I want to make that stand today. If that's you, we just... Look at me, raise your hand, get my attention. I want to pray with you today. Jesus, thank you. Just a moment. Thank you. Amen, yes. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And if you are here today and you raised your hand or you looked at me several in this place, we want to give ourselves back again to God. And as a church, let's just do this together, rededicating our hearts and lives to God. And so would you all just repeat after me? Father God, I confess my sins before You. I am guilty, but You are just. And so, Father, I repent of my sin. I humbly come to You and ask for forgiveness. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Save me. Wash me. Fill me. And I give my life to you. If you prayed that today, you've rede- that is in a minute from the heart, not in words, not of following a pastor, but if you truly mean that in your heart, believe with all your heart and have faith in Jesus Christ. You are saved. And that's not something you have to do every time you feel like you sin. But it is a time when I say, God, I, where am I going with you? Man, I messed up tomorrow. Maybe, you mess, maybe you're going to go from this place and mess up tomorrow. Maybe you're going to go from this place and mess up this afternoon. But what you do in that moment, you say, God, immediately forgive me. My heart is towards you. Help me in this area. And as long as we continue to seek the Lord and love Him, and love others in faith, declaring Him, as Lord of my life, you are saved. So don't doubt for a moment. God's grace is big enough to cover all of our mistakes, all of our hang-ups. But it's about where you're going. Who are you, where are you walking? Are you walking towards God in love? Perhaps you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, there are religious things in my life that I want to be sure that I give to God today. I don't want to judge anybody Maybe there's religious traditions that you grew up having church a certain way. Maybe you grew up dressing a certain way. Maybe you grew up just believing certain things that were good traditions, and maybe they helped you for a season, but they're not biblical. And you want to be sure today and say, God, I don't want to be a hindrance to your mission. I don't want to hurt anybody. God, I want to just love you more, love people more. And Father, I want to make sure that I am 
walking in truth and not tradition. And perhaps you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, that's me. There's things in my life. I just want to say, God, help me in this area. God, help me to see that it's not about me. It's all about you, that I want to focus on my growth and holiness. And maybe there's things God's working with you in this sermon over. That's you. Would you just raise your hand and just say, give that to God. That's me. God, there's tradition things in my life. Amen. Hands all over. There's things of tradition in my life. I just want to give those things to God. Father God, you see these hands. And Father, we just confess our sins before you and say, God, take everything that's not of you. I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in relationship. I want to walk in holiness. And would you all across this place just begin in your own way just to ask the Holy Spirit just to begin to wash your heart. Let's just do that for a moment as Miss T is just going to kind of sing this song. Would you just ask the Lord to begin to wash your heart? Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, wash us, O God. Cleanse us, O God. Purify us, O God. Will you take a moment and humble ourselves before Him? Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Wash us clean, O God. Purify us, O God. Let us be humble, God, in our holiness, Jesus. Cleanse us of any sin, God. Cleanse us of any judgment, God. Fill us with Your love, O God. Hallelujah. And if that's you today, and you say... Lord, I, I just want to take a deeper commitment to relationship, truth, and holiness in the presence of God. Would you just stand with me today as we sing this song as a proclamation to God? You're in holy. Let's just worship Him in holiness today. Salvation is Jesus, as holy as you're ever going to get. Giving. Hallelujah. I'll be a living sanctuary. Let there be no inconsistencies in my life, O oh God. No inconsistencies in my life, Lord Jesus. We want to be that sanctuary. The inhabitation of His Holy Spirit. Sanctuary. Pure and holy, walking in justice and mercy, tried and true. Hallelujah, Lord, with thanksgiving. Worship you, O God. Be a living sanctuary. Amen. Jesus. Just look at me right here for a moment. Some of you think you're never good enough. I want you to know that when the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to wash you, you're as holy as you can ever get. It's just about a journey from this moment on. Yeah, we all make mistakes, but every day I want the Holy Spirit to begin washing me. I want that relationship to grow. And, and if you have been to Sanctuary Long, you know this is probably one of the most loving, gracious churches in central Louisiana. And I testify to that. I'm a new person. I felt it. And people who come through our doors know. And let's, be, let's take the challenge, church, to keep that going, right? God may begin to bring people in our church who are completely different, look completely different, act completely. Maybe they don't have it all together. Maybe they look different, smell different. Maybe they believe different. But let's strive for relationship, to love God and love people, to accept people. Our, we have three values here I just want to share. Grace, 
That means God has lavished His grace on us that we didn't deserve it. And so if I didn't deserve it, I have no business judging anybody else who can come into the grace of God. We are a non-judgmental people. Love. Man, that is to sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. And if you're part of our church family, we want to sacrifice for you. If you're down and out, we will serve you until we can't serve anymore. That's what we're about at this church. Unconditional, undeserved love and truth. Truth is our last one. It's not about tradition. It's not about religion. But I am going to speak the bold truth of Jesus Christ who unashamedly preach the gospel until Jesus comes. That is sin and that is holiness. It's truth of God's word that He has come to save and seek, seek and save the lost. Let's speak the truth and be honest to one another, right? You offend me? I'm going to speak the truth. Man, I felt that. But let's be honest. No two-faced religion in this church. Amen? No back-talking, no, no hallway gossip. This is a place of truth. Amen? And so I welcome you. If this is your home, man, keep those values going. If you're new, welcome home. Amen? Tonight, come back. I want to talk about how do we know if something is trivial or when do I do set those boundaries up in my life? Is it, if something is sin for me, is it sin for someone else? And we're going to talk about the gray areas tonight. How do I walk in holiness through the gray areas? And we all have those. We things God things put in our life. Is this something I should do, God? Or is it something I should put a boundary for? And we're going to talk about that tonight. Come back. We're going to have an awesome time of prayer and worship. Six o'clock. We love you. Give somebody a hug today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.